I was just a kid that was always outside. I was fishing every minute that I could during the spring, summer. I hunted coos deer down in Mexico about four years ago. That was outstanding. I mean, one of my favorite hunts of all time. I think he killed more deer driving and checking the cows, drinking his coffee, smoking a cigarette, than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off and all that work that I put in. We had a bear cross the road in front of us and the bear just meanders up the ditch and in a split second, wheels around, comes flying down the ditch, false charges. I tell you what, it's been a fun journey so far and it's just getting started. Hey guys, this is Dennis Stokes with Initial Ascent and you are listening to Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 75 of Living Country in the City. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, so getting on to today's episode. Y'all, I have a good buddy of mine that I met actually out at the Hunt Expo. We got a chance to sit down and talk for a while, really get to know each other. Mr. Dennis Stokes of Initial Ascent. He's a great guy, and we sit down and have a good time talking a little bit about hunting. So, hope you all enjoy this episode. So, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Yeah, just uh, been hard at it lately. Yeah? So, you're just now back, huh? Uh, Last week was my first... Last week? Yeah, last Monday was my first week back. I got back on, uh, I think, Saturday. Took you know, Sunday to just kind of unpack the car and relax a little bit and just get back to some modicum of sanity before starting back in the office. And so that uh, right. it's it's been a struggle, to say the least. It's been quite a struggle. So, you know, and, and going on a road trip like you did, I mean, you got to see so much country. Dude, six, so what was 6,000 miles I put on that rental truck. Six thousand no miles. 
in three weeks. That's awesome. I mean, just stupid. Out of 22 nights, I spent nine in a bed, like, crashing at a friend's place. All the rest were, one of those nights was in a tent, all the rest were in the back of that pickup truck. Right. Like, that, like, that was home. Like, you know, you get to a certain point, and it's like, that becomes the new normal. And I got back to my apartment, I'm like, what is this crap? (laughs) What? You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and and you had the dogs with you, right? Oh yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it kind of yeah. it it added some limitations on some of the stuff I could do and like what I was like where I was willing to go hike and stuff like that. But honestly, like this trip was so like hit it and quit it that I it was just it really didn't affect me all that much. You know, I was just in one spot onto the next onto the next onto the next it wasn't really meant to be like a super deep dive anywhere in particular so right it's fun man though like that was just it was nuts oh i was so jealous man following you the whole way and uh, (laughs) that that was just a that was a great idea when did you come up with that uh about two weeks before i left (laughs) that's great oh it was nuts oh so what was your favorite oh uh glacier without a doubt I yeah. mean, there's just no comparison to Glacier National Park. And I yeah. mean, Crater Lake was incredible, but there's just so much to Glacier. It's just, it's enormous, and there's just so much to see in such variety. It's yeah. like Crater Lake, I feel like you go to one specific spot, and I mean, there are just tons of amazing, amazing spots, but glacier i mean i've always had a soft spot for montana anyway so that didn't hurt at all but yeah glacier is one of my favorite spots as well the family and i went over i think it was three years ago or something spent three or four days there and it was just it was fantastic did a bunch of hiking you know just got to see a lot of stuff a lot of animals and it was awesome oh yeah i was hoping to see some grizzlies on this trip but you didn't see any nothing I didn't see, I didn't, I saw one, I saw the rear end of one bear on my drive into Glacier. I don't know, it looked a little small to be a grizzly, so I think Mm -hmm. it was just a black bear, but uh, yeah, it was like, I was going up the trail to where I was going to camp, it was like, it was almost midnight, you know, and I just caught the tail end of a bear going into the brush with my headlights, that, that was about it, but... A super. I'm like ah, the the one bear I see on this trip. Yeah, but yeah, we had uh, we had a bear um, cross the road in front of us when we were in Glacier, and this the uh, the oncoming traffic had stopped, so we're letting we're letting the bear go, and sitting there watching it go across the road. We're keeping our distance, and it crosses the road, goes down into the ditch, and the car that was oncoming pulls up beside it. They roll down their window and they yell something. The bear just meanders up the ditch and in a split second wheels around, comes flying down the ditch, false charges. Jeez. And stops probably eight feet before it got to that car. And these people were scrambling, freaking out, trying (laughs) to roll windows up and everything. (laughs) And, so it stops, you know, eight feet from him and then just goes, turns around, walks right back up the ditch. And these people had to sit there for a couple minutes and just catch their breath. And you can tell they're just scared to death. Jeez. And uh, we're laughing in the meantime. But 
They, uh, I had never seen anything like that. They probably never went to a national park again in their life or whatever. <laughs> they're, they're probably, we always hear about these people getting way too close and you know not not remembering that these are wild animals and that they could tear your head off. Oh, it's, I mean, admittedly, I probably got closer to a moose than I should have taken some photos uh, while I was up in Glacier, but yeah. I mean, the second that thing turned its head, I was like halfway back to my car already. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I mean, I was probably, I was probably about five feet from my five to eight feet from my door. Like I was ready to dive back in that thing. Like I prepped myself for if this moose decided it did not like me taking its photo. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm, I refuse to be that. I refuse to be one of those stories. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, and you hear them all the time. You know, the, People taking, like in Yellowstone, they take taking pictures of the bison mm-hmm. and getting way, way too close. Oh, it's insane! I, I was I told this story. I think I told it on the last podcast I released. Um, I saw we saw this Asian tourist family come oh, up, yeah. like when I was just when I was just little. I saw them with their freaking toddler on a bison. Like I was crazy. Like I didn't understand how crazy that was back then. Now I'm like. Are you, holy crap! It just blows yeah. me away. Well, it's amazing that that it actually stood there, you know, and and let them do that, and they're just smiling, probably, you know. Yeah. You said I think you said yeah. Of course, it was before cell phones and selfies, and yeah, it so. was like you know, it was like full on, you know, like okay, everyone get around the bison and take the photo, and yeah, I mean, we've all seen those oh, people. Jeez. Man, I like this was my first time, as far as I remember. This was my first time back to Yellowstone since then. Oh wow! There, yeah. But that was that was cool. Got to finally got to see my first elk on this trip, awesome. coming, coming down out of Glacier West, and then I saw some a lot closer uh, down in Yellowstone, and uh, it was it was incredible. What do you think? I mean, when you saw it, it was was it larger than what you had imagined? It was about what I expected. I think, you know, it didn't really... And also, you know, it wasn't... It's different because it wasn't like I was in the forest and had it, like, coming out of the woods towards me. Mm -hmm. You know, it... You know, it's... There's still that separation. Even even if I get out of my car, you know, and I'm leaning up against the fence, you know, the fence line or, you know, leaning up against my car, I'm like there's still kind of a distance and separation versus your kind of active participation when you're in the woods kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know, all, all I saw were cows. I didn't see any bulls. Uh huh. And so, you know, seeing a bugling bull is going to be just a completely unique experience. I'm sure. So yeah, you're going to get to see it this fall, man. <sighs> if not before. Oh yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I've got some good opportunities coming up. Um, I was going to hit Idaho again, but I just had the uh, a really good opportunity. You probably saw the llama picture I posted. Yeah. The picture of all the llamas. Those guys were uh, want me to come out and hunt with them. They've got a really solid spot uh, that's an over-the-counter unit, but it's kind of a little hidden honey hole. And right. they want me to come out and hunt with them. Um, I'm like, wait, so you guys already got the spot? And you got pack llamas, so 
I don't have to do any work, pretty much. And they're like, kind of like, yeah, I guess. I'm like, all right. That's fantastic, man. I'm like, that's the way to do it. And uh, then I got Brandon Waddell. Um, I mean, you guys know him. And, yep. Uh, you know, Muley Matt, Matt Howell. Um, I had never met him, but yeah, I know of him. He's good buddies with Brandon too. And, you know, I was hanging out with them in Durango and they're like, Oh, fine. You know, you you don't want to come hunting with us. I'm like, you guys never invited me. Don't give me that crap. (laughs) And so they're like, well, here's your official invitation. I'm like, I'm not going to just like be like, Hey guys, I'm going to come down to Durango to hunt with you. Like just invite myself. Right. Uh, I don't know what y'all are doing. And so, you know, I kind of, uh, we were just talking with them, and I'm like, well, that actually works out perfect because if I end up getting a license and tag for this unit, I'll go hunt with these guys. If I'm successful, awesome. Brandon, you know, has his full setup. He's like, bring bring down your quarters. We'll process everything. You know, you'll, you will can wrap it there. Like, you can get the whole thing on video. So there's that. If I'm not successful, I can come down and hunt with them for a while and, you know, see see what that turns up. So it gives me two solid opportunities with you know different locations with awesome guys to go hunt, yeah. Um, so you know, see see how that works out. I gotta I gotta figure that out though. I gotta because I I gotta look at the units and see where they're at to see. I don't know how I don't know if Colorado's at all like Idaho where you get a pretty decent swath when you buy like an over the counter tag. You get like yeah a few <sighs> units. You know, I'm not sure. I've hunted Colorado once, and that was a couple years back. And it was actually a, it was a landowner type deal. Um, basically, it was just landowner access. We could get access to a bunch of public ground um, through this landowner. We actually stayed on his place, and so and with that, I bought an elk tag. It was just over the counter. Yeah. But it was just for that one unit. Um, so I don't know if they're spread out across. And yeah. it wasn't archery either. So I don't know. I'll have to take a look. I just, you know, it's like I'm just, I'm pretty much waiting on the kind of the California draw. I think that's my last elk tag I got in the hat, which, I mean, I'm not even sure why I'm waiting. <laughs> I, put, sure. I put in for Thule elk. It's just, you know, the likelihood is, is stupid. But um, hey, you got to put in. Yeah, I mean, can't get drawn if you don't put your name in the hat, so. That's right, that's right. Now, Arizona, did you put in for anything there today or uh, before? I put, in, I put in for elk and Audad, and then I think I just put in for elk and Audad because uh, I do the, I have that over-the-counter archery tag, um, the late-season archery tag that's good, like, December, January, and August. Deer tag? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the any any legal deer. And so I do that. So I'm like there's other there's other places I'd rather go hunt muleys, um mm-hmm. like if I'm gonna put in and so you know, and they're just not really my thing anyway. Like I enjoyed sure. you know, like I said, I'll chase anything, but yeah, I'm foc I'm focusing on elk. But uh yeah. I did I did draw the Audad in New Mexico. Oh, great. Um yeah, I I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't I didn't put in for Audad in Arizona. Uh antelope. That I was like I put in for something else. What was it? I put in for antelope and uh elk in Arizona. Okay. And, I mean I just put in for units that I pretty much knew I'd be getting points for. But right. I've got some buddies out there that have a decent amount of points and they were talking about uh 
you know, I've got like, I think I've got like two points. They were talking about like, hey, you should do a group application with us. We're going to put in for, just put in for like some cow tags um, and just go have a good cow hunt and fill the freezer and then not have to stress about the season. But they were talking about that for not this year, but next year. Sure. So I might end up, depending on what next year's looking like, that'd be a, just a fun, like kickback, no stress hunt. You know, they've got enough points for it to, to get a cow tag and a really solid unit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. And for me, it's like, okay, whatever, I, you know, I, I put in, you know, I got a full freezer for two points, you know, not a bad, yeah. it's not exactly difficult to build those back up. So, yeah. Oh, you bet. Um, what, uh, what's the story on the coos deer over the counter archery? So it's, uh, it's that same tag. Um, that's the same tag. Yeah. It's mule deer or coos deer. They, it's just okay. Arizona, even with the draw. So even if you were to like draw a tag, you can still only take one deer a year in Arizona from what, okay. if I remember correctly. So like if you're doing that over the counter archery mm-hmm. and you take a deer in January, but then you draw a tag, you can't, you can't use that tag. I see. I think that's how it works. I'm 90% sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, that year you just put in for a point or whatever. But, yeah. uh, and I don't know if that's a non-resident thing or if the same applies to residents. I think the same applies to residents too. Hmm, okay. Um, but yeah, so that's coos deer or mule deer. Yeah, I'm thinking hard about going down there. Um, December, January, ever since, you know, I, I hunted coos deer down in Mexico about four years ago. That was, that was outstanding. I mean, one of my favorite hunts of all time. Um, and then I, I listened to, I think it was your podcast with Jay Scott. Yeah. And you guys talking about that particular tag in Arizona. So that's something I'm definitely going to do. It's, I mean, if you're putting in, you know, you guys, you're, you guys are Southern Utah, right? No, we're actually in Idaho. Why did I think you were in Utah? I don't know. Um, oh no, 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 I know, I know who I'm thinking. I'm, I'm getting mixed up. I was, I was confusing a conversation we had with, uh, with a conversation I had with the Scree guys. Um, yeah, yeah. Idaho is a bit more of a trek. Like it's nice for me because that's, you know, it's like a four to five hour drive for me to get uh, get into Arizona, you know, it's, if I want to get into like coos country, it's more like a six to eight hour drive. But, uh, you know, I mean, I can hop in, not that, you know, stay on this side of Phoenix. It's five hours for me to get into some, some decent country for hunting. And that's the, the nice thing about those tags too, is it's one tag. I mean, it's valid. Like I swear, like 75%, 80% of the state, like, some of the best, the best units out there and you get to hunt them over the counter. Wow. So, and you're, you're hunting in January. Yeah. It's rut hunt. Or if you're, if you're a velvet guy, you can go chase. I mean, you know, if you're willing to brave Arizona in August, you know, you get to chase them in velvet too. Oh, sure. My buddies, my buddies are like, um, like, yeah, we don't, we don't hunt in the middle of the day. Um, they're like we uh we have a lot of air conditioning and beer that we go visit and then we hunt in the mornings and evenings. Uh, Here you go. Yeah. He's like he sent me a picture of he's grilling just this 
big old I, I think it was a tri-tip or something or I can't even remember um he's like by the way we're also going to be eating very good when you come by in August <laughs> I'm like, all right I'm down there you go but yeah yeah and the deer they're they're going to be out you know early in the morning and probably by nine o'clock they're going to be bedded down in the shade somewhere huh oh yeah I I don't imagine they uh you know who knows? I I don't know enough to really tell one way or the other, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine that they would be moving around in whatever hundred and ten degree no. No. heat. <laughs> Something tells me they'll they'll be super act. I I I wonder if that's like a I wonder if that's almost a benefit to some extent to where they'll they'll be just even more active. If you go at a time where it's like super hot, but it's dark of the moon. So mm-hmm. there's just a, a super limited time when they're moving. I almost wonder if that kind of gives you an advantage. It just narrows down when they're going to be active and they're going to be like super active because they yeah. got to get, get all their stuff done. Yeah. I, oh, I, I would imagine so. You know, I grew up in the South and, no, you know, unless it was in, in the rut, nothing was out, you know, past nine o'clock. I mean, it just got too hot and humid, even even during hunt season. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like, I went, I went, and sat in a tree stand in Mississippi over Thanksgiving for a while. Oh, bless your heart. Oh man, but that's uh, what they say now. Yeah, well, bless <laughs> your heart. Um, and you know, I mean, geez, it got it. It honestly did. I mean, it got down probably. I think the mid twenties, but oh, yeah? uh, I mean, it was it was pretty frosty. Um, That's chilly down there. Yeah. Did it? No, maybe it was 30s, mid-30s. I don't know. Um, But uh, I just remember sitting in that metal tree stand. I'm like, this thing just sucks the life out of you in the cold. (laughs) All the joy and warmth from your body is pulled right from your butt cheeks. Like That's right. um, And then, but I, I I could not imagine trying to sit out there and like, just a humid southern like it's mosquitoes and oh gosh yeah no it's, thank it's you challenge. it's a whole different way of hunting and you know technology you know how far technology's come you know in in mountain hunting yeah uh, it's the same way down there technology's come so far in tree stand hunting um i mean they wear some clothes <laughs> <laughs> they're they're wrapping up in big you know, body bag type thing. Yeah, I've seen those. They're like almost like giant, like sleeping bag snuggy things, like the body right. suits. Right. Um, I'd probably fall asleep. Oh, geez. There was, it's, you know, I've talked about this before with some folks. Like, it is a skill to sit in a tree stand. Like, you know, say what you will about, you know, some people I know talk a lot of crap about, like, whatever, sitting over a food plot or a feed or whatever it is. But, like it takes a it's a, a skill to sit in a tree stand like that not move but stay still stay focused the entire time yeah it it's a mental challenge it really is you know uh, hunting in, you know out west obviously that has you know its mental challenges as well as physical challenges but there's a big mental challenge sitting in a tree stand for you know well, if you hunt during the rut, you could be there. I mean, you're going to be there all day. Oh, totally. I you mean, know? I remember, I remember sitting. It was it was we we would do mostly mornings and evenings. 
I don't know. I don't know when they rut. Is it? Do they? Uh, do they rut like later, like the like down in Arizona or? Yeah. So you know, typically January. I mean, where where I grew up in Northwest Florida, they were typically late December, January when they were in the rut. And, okay. Yeah, and you know, you could you could sit all day, um, sun up, sundown. So this was probably a little bit pre-rut then, I suppose. This would have been. Yeah, you know, it would have been Thanksgiving when I was okay. up there. So they were they were definitely chasing them, um, and there was a lot of scrapes and all that stuff. So yeah, I saw a really good buck. I only saw one buck the entire time I was there, but this was been shooting for a year at that point, and <laughs> I didn't have a rangefinder even, and you know, so I was estimating range, and it was just it was it was probably about fifty yards away, fifty sixty yards away, and that was just that was just well beyond a range I was comfortable shooting at the time. And, um, he just stopped for a second. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, Oh man, if I, I'm like, I'm, I'm coming back here every morning until he comes back. Um, and he never did never saw him. And I saw maybe six or seven other does during that time. And just, there was nothing to even draw back on. I think I I think I drew, actually drew back well, maybe once that entire trip, but that was my wow. first first experience with hunting. Like, really? yeah, was all of that was uh, tree stand time in Mississippi. Mm. But uh, yeah, too bad they didn't have a bunch of doe tags, you know, that they needed filled. Well, no, they were they were looking looking to get does. I saw a bunch. Oh, of them, really? None of them. They were either crashing through, like something had spooked them way off, and they were just like tearing through. Or uh, they were just too far off and weren't weren't heading that direction. That's the frustrating. More than anything else, I feel like that's the biggest frustration with tree stand hunting. Is you're just like you're sitting there. You're like, well, can't do anything about that one. Right. <laughs> Bye. Yep. <laughs> just walk a, watch that giant buck. You know, hundred yards, hundred and twenty yards off, with no desire to head whatsoever your direction. <laughs> Yep, yep, and there you are. It's oh my gosh, like it's uh, that's just got got to be the most aggravating thing. Like I know how much it bugged the crap out of me just when I saw does that were too far off and had right. no interest in coming over. But I couldn't imagine just seeing some giant buck that just has no idea you're there, but it just has zero interest in coming anywhere near you. Right. Eesh. Yeah, that, and that's why you know tree stand placement is so so important. You know, growing up, I uh, I did that's mostly what I did was whitetail hunt, and uh, I remember just how much time I spent on tree stand placement. You know, prevailing winds and you know how far off of the the trail you know to get, and that was back before trail cams and that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, I'm starting to date myself now, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was back before trail cams, or I, we couldn't afford trail cams, so um, it was just you know you try to figure it out, and uh, so that was that was quite the challenge, and and we'd have multiple stands, you know, up all over the place, you know, or I would uh, I remember I went a couple years where I was just taking a climber in, you know, and and setting a climber up. That was uh, that was that was interesting, but uh, a lot of hunting before school, a lot of hunting after school type thing. 
Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty much going to put all of this in the podcast because it's just too good. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty much yeah. just going to say, you know, we already started this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's fine, man. So there we go. It'll be a, it'll be a bit of a unique start. Um, but yeah, uh, since we're getting into it, um, I mean, you've heard a few of the episodes, you know, so you know I always like to start just the, you know, a little background on yourself, uh, you know, where you grew up, how you got started in the outdoors and hunting, all of this. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, northwest Florida. I'm originally from central Florida and uh, grew up on a small um, beef cattle farm, I guess. We had, we always had a few cows. (laughs) That's, that's, that's how a beef cow farm is, is described back there. But uh, yeah, I grew up rabbit hunting. Uh, My grandma's grove, she had orange groves and I grew up rabbit hunting and hog hunting with my dad we had dogs and um, lots of lots of nights hunting hogs uh, trapping hogs I did a I did a lot of trapping when I was young as well um, you know I read the book and watched the movie where the red fern grows oh yeah and uh, that was you know and I had a couple of coon hounds Dan and Ann of course <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah and uh but just See, I wonder you know, how many people listening to this will actually understand the reference though. I don't know. I don't know. It it'll be interesting. But uh but yeah, that's I was just a kid that was always outside and um fishing. I we always had farm ponds around and um I was fishing every minute that I could during the spring, summer, uh and then in the fall I was I was doing a lot of hunting. Um, just going out by myself and, um, from a very young age too, um, I grabbed my little Honda 125 and I, I, I would plow through to, you know, to my stands and whatnot. And so did a lot of whitetail hunting. Um, however, I, I wasn't real successful. Um, I always saw a lot of deer, but I was really picky. <laughs> and I had one friend that it seemed like, and they had a huge, huge mass of land that he hunted. And his dad, they, I mean, they had huge whitetail bucks hanging everywhere on their wall. And it seemed like he was always killing, you know, bucks. Like, uh, and back there um, where we live, huge whitetail populations, but not quality. And so I remember. Thanksgiving, so the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, that was when our deer season started, and you could kill a buck a day, and we didn't have tags, we just had licenses, Mm -hmm. and then it would shut off after that until about December 10th, and I want to say somewhere around December 10th and 11th, there was uh, what they called doe weekend, and so you could, during doe weekend, it was a Saturday and Sunday, you could kill one buck and two does each day of that weekend. And then after that, the season would go to about January 31st. So basically all the way through the rut. So you could have tons and tons of meat in your freezer. And and I worked so hard as a kid. And my dad, the old rancher, you know, I think he killed more deer driving and checking the cows, <laughs> drinking his coffee, smoking a cigarette, 
in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off (laughs) (laughs) and all that work that I put in. I'll never forget one, one morning it was really cold. Now Florida standards, you know, it was like 25 degrees. It was really, really cold. And, uh, I had spent probably six hours in a tree stand that morning and I come home and my dad, he's sitting out there on the porch, 25 degrees, drinking his coffee. And this is not standard for him because he is usually, you know, pretty cold natured. He just kind of points over there to the back of the pickup truck. <laughs> and there's a, there's a buck, you know, laying in the back of the pickup truck. And he's just grinning from ear to ear. And I'm, I'm pretty frustrated because I had spent six hours. And this is before... <laughs> This is before all the clothes came along, you know. I mean, I'm I'm old school, still got my Walmarts on, <laughs> and uh, so I said, "Well, tell me, tell me, tell me about it. You know, how did it happen?" He said, "Well, son," he said, "I was down checking the cows, and the little buck just was standing out there, and he said, so I put down my coffee and I rolled down my window. I got my rifle out the window and I." just popped him and I rolled my window back up started drinking my coffee again went went on checking my cows and he said half hour later I came back loaded the buck in my truck and I came home <laughs> so, so that was that was one of several times that this happened so oh. it was uh yeah so anyway so so moving on I uh Went to college and actually came out here to Idaho in uh, in 2000 and uh, hunted for a couple years. Uh, got indoctrinated into Western hunting and wow, I was not prepared for that. It was <laughs> an eye opening experience to say the least. And uh, and then my wife uh, actually got we got pregnant with twins. Uh, a couple years after we uh, moved out here and I set aside hunting for probably seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, that was tough, but <laughs> just, just had to, I had to concentrate on my career and, uh, spending time, you know, helping, helping my wife. We were, we're out here in Idaho without any family. And so it was just she and I. And so it was all hands on deck. Her so hands in my hands. <laughs> disappearing for uh, 10, 15 days at a time just, uh, it just didn't isn't going to fly. It didn't work, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, at, when the kids were about seven or eight, um, we were we were watching we were watching a show. I think it was Ted Nugent, actually. <laughs> and Uncle Ted. Yeah, and my kids just really got into watching it, and they – my son, he, you know, wanted to, he wanted to kind of be like him. He wanted to pick up a bow. And so, uh, I said, all right, you know, that, that, that could be cool. And so, then I wasn't back into hunting yet. So but, had you, had you bow hunted prior to this or was it just strictly yeah, rifle? Yeah. I, I bow hunted when I was, uh, in high school Okay, yeah, and, uh, okay. yeah. And, and some in college as well. So, uh, and and back there, you know, we didn't have any. Uh, I, I rifle hunted with a thirty thirty Winchester, 
Yeah. <laughs> we didn't, uh, it was all close, close range type stuff. So, uh, but yeah, basically my kids got me back into hunting and we went to, we went to the expo in Salt Lake and my son wanted to go there to meet Ted Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did, we, uh, we took off on a, on a Saturday and went to Salt Lake and, and got to meet Uncle Ted and, <laughs> well, it's, you know, and, and I got back into it. And so how long ago was this again? Oh gosh. I think my son was eight or nine, um, when that happened. So, and he's, he's going on 16 now. So not too awful long ago. Well, I mean, just this last bit, you've still been hunting longer than I have my entire life. So, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it just, it, it's one of those things that, you know, once a hunter, always a hunter, you can pick it right back up. But you know, it was just a time in my life where I, you know, I had to do it. I really didn't have a choice and, um, just kind of chose to spend, you know, spend the time raising, raising kids and, you know, working on a career and all that stuff. And you got to focus on the family when you need to. Yeah, absolutely. But now I'm back and I won't ever leave. So, <laughs> so we met in a kind of a funny, funny way, I guess. <laughs> uh, I guess you had, I can't remember. I think I think you guys may have started following me, or something. And and you're really active on my profile. I remember, and I remember yeah. Yeah. looking at the logo and and thinking to myself, I'm like, huh, that's kind of a cool logo. Like, I just remember yeah. kind of like, ah, I like that. I'll check out this uh, this profile, and um, I just remember. Uh, I think you guys. I can't remember if I'd gone to your profile before, but. You guys were announcing well, this last time I did. You know, you were announcing the launch of the new right. pack, and um, and so I guess uh, we haven't even really touched on that. Um, if you want to, really quick, I guess before I continue on with the story, maybe talk a little bit about that in the company. And yeah, so uh, we've we've got a brand new company called uh, Initial Ascent, and uh, we are building uh, backpacks for the backcountry hunter. And, and who is uh, who is we? That would be me and my my partner Joe, and uh, we uh, set set uh, set out on the adventure about uh, three and a half years ago, actually, and just now February eighth of <laughs> two thousand eighteen, um, that's when we launched finally. So uh, yeah, we uh, lots of research, development, design. Um, and testing lots and lots and lots of testing um i mean that's trying to, that's just got to be terrible isn't it having to go out and test test new packs and go into the back country i mean it's it's awful i mean it's a miserable you know, life you know <laughs> it really is <laughs> yeah it's you know and and you ask ask the the wife you know say hey you know i gotta i gotta get out there um Again, you know, we've we've got some more testing to do, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you you got to you you've got to you know you you've got to make sure this is right." And I'm like, "Right on," <laughs> you know, <laughs> just what I was thinking. So uh, yeah, the, the testing is just awful. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. yeah, we we've we've been uh, 
been at it now uh, since February, as far as uh, you know, on the on the open market, and uh, you know, basically what we're trying to do. It's it's a definitely a a very competitive market. You know, with with backpacks, backpacks have come so far technically in the last, I, I'd say, you know, ten years, but especially in the last five years. Yeah. And so it, it's a very tough market. Some great competition out there, and we feel like our presence is uh, just it raises the bar, and uh, I think it makes everybody better for the backcountry hunter. And so, um, what's what's the saying? A, a rising tide lifts all ships, something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, but I tell you what, it's been a fun journey so far, and mm-hmm. it's just getting started. Well, yeah. So you know, I I, uh, I saw you all were were launching the pack at at Hunt Expo, and right. uh, this year Hunt Expo is taking place over my birthday on the eighth. And saw you all saw you all were launching on the eighth. And of course, I being the smart ass I am, I couldn't resist making a comment like, "Well, hey, is your birthday gift?" Ha 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 ha. You know, jeez. Um, <laughs> we're just happy you reached out to us. There you go. Um, yeah, but. Uh, you're like, well, stop by, stop by the booth, you know, <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I uh, made sure to made sure to head on over. I think I came by first day uh, to say hello. Yeah. Um, it was that morning. Yeah, yeah, y'all were were kind of getting all set up and over back by the Sitka booth back there, and I think, man, I sat down. We talked for a good forty five minutes an hour, just about yeah. almost nothing hunting related, but just about life and God yeah. and. A bunch of bunch of great stuff, and um, then we got around to talking about the packs for a bit, and uh, right. I remember trying. And then we one. got slammed. Oh, jeez, man! <laughs> I remember. So I I tried one on, and uh, you know I I have a a pile of different packs, and I you know I I've got an EXO, I've got a, a couple of Kafaru packs, and you know I I love I love them all, and they all have their own places, but I you know a pack is a very personal fit at times and it's different for everyone i remember put on y'all's pack and i was like holy crap this thing just fit me like a glove you know it worked really well and you know you guys kind of got it adjusted for me and we're talking and i'm like man this is great i just wish y'all had loaded them down so i could feel what it was like with weight and you look at me and i can't remember how much you said it was like i, I think you guys said that you had like 40 or 50 pounds in it or something yeah i think we had 50 yeah um <laughs> And you're like, dude, there's there's 50 pounds in there. I'm like, you have to be crapping me right now. There's no way. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it just sat well. And pretty much the rest of the Hunt Expo, I'd come by maybe once or twice. Just I'd be over at Sitco or whatever, and I'd stick my head in. And you guys were just running. like It was like somebody kicked over an anthill. Um, yeah, man. It, was, it was amazing. It really was. So I was it really, really was. I was really happy to see all that and, you know, the pack system is really pretty neat. I actually, you know, I, I guess what it's the the twelfth of June, and you know, I just went went on a hike this morning. I'm sure, sure y'all saw it. And, oh yeah, you hopped yep. on the the live. Yep. Yep. Um, finally got a chance. I mean, I've had this thing for what two months now. Yeah. You, I, 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 I went and finally was able to pick one up. You know, I looked at the finances, and like I said, I've got a few packs, so I was kind of like, ah, do I really need one? I was kind of looking at the finances and. I looked at the size and it's it's a it's in a good spot in between the two packs I already have, so my XO is a lot smaller, my my Kafaro pack's a whole lot bigger, 
And so it's, I was kind of looking, I'm like, well, it fills a good hole. I really like you guys and really wanted to support what you guys are doing too. And I'm like, all right, all right. I'll look at the finances. Okay. You know, and we talked and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And I picked one up and it came, I remember it came in the mail and I'm like, awesome. I'm not going to open it yet. Cause I like want to get the apartment clean and like get some good photos and put it on and like, and post some stuff up. And then all of a sudden I get work, like gets me slammed and then I have to go out to the desert. So I'm like, I'm bringing this thing out to the desert with me cause I'll have some time out there. I'll get some good shots. Wasn't even able to get it out of the box in the desert. <laughs> I finally, finally, right before this road trip, I'm able to get it out of the box and then, because I have the dogs, I barely do any hiking on the road trip. Yo. Um, so I got um, I got to use it a little bit, uh, actually, when I was out visiting uh, Brandon and Matt in Durango. Oh, cool. Um, so we did, uh, we did we did a little bit of hiking and, uh, and got to try out the packs. But, of course, that's when my camera's broken. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm like, I swear I'm going to take some pictures for you guys and post them. No, all, that's but, was finally able to actually like load it for bear and and throw it on and get up and it was it's I really I'm really enjoying the pack so cool. enjoying the system you know it's a it's a cool system it's unique you know I want to do I've actually had a couple people request that I do just a a walk through of the pack um sure. a couple yeah. of my followers so I need to hop on that and pull it apart and put it back together it's just I really like the concept how it's it's super modular and it's just designed with a quick, just put it together and put it together and take it apart. Uh, yeah. Load your meat, strap it, you know, pack everything up, strap it over the top. It's just, it's designed with the least amount of effort for you in mind, which, which I really like. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and one of the things that we did just, to, just to touch on it, um, you know, by putting those orange bar tacks, you know, and, the user just matches them up. So really there's yeah. no guessing with what buckle goes where and, and all that. So that was one of the things that, that we've, you know, really are proud of, of that and just, just how it works, you know, functionally. So, uh, I'm definitely yeah. kind of, it's, it's one of those weird things though. It's like you get, you get the new pack and it's, you know, it's different than what you've got before. And, and right. so you've kind of got to rethink your whole organization scheme mm-hmm. with stuff yep. where it's like, okay, I don't, don't have these types of pockets, but I do have these ones, but they're in a different spot. This one's more accessible. This one's less accessible. So I've got to think about, okay, I can rearrange this and okay, this one's this size when my front pocket was this size before. And yeah, it's like, it's weird. It's, it's like, it's such a, it's so much more difficult than you think about after you've been doing the exact same thing for a full year. Uh, you know, it's just, it's it's a trip. I'm still trying to figure out um, exactly. Okay, like on the side pockets, I'm like because they're you've got like the full length one, and then there's right. like the half length one, but then there, it's like a double pocket. And so I'm like, okay, I gotta gotta figure this out. Which one? Where does the bugle tube go? Where does the the tripod? Where's the the walking sticks? Um, so it's a it's definitely a that's that's where I'm at in the experiment right now. Yeah, oh, that's that great. Out. And it's it's good. It also, I think, makes you reevaluate everything you're taking out into the backcountry, like especially yeah. uh, idiots who take like giant eighty pound packs. Um, 
I don't know who would do that. But uh, on their on their first elk hunt by themselves. Uh, I don't know. That's okay. I don't know who would do That's that. That's okay. Um, you know what? You are learning a lot, man. And like the last podcast you had, um, you know, some great advice on there uh, for sure for you and for all guys, you know, that are just getting started. So that was a good one. It was, it was, a, it's, this last one is decimating all other podcasts <laughs> that I've, <laughs> that I've put out. Like, it's it is destroying it. And I've I've been getting like message after message and text message being like, "Holy crap! I just about crap my pants listening to this one. I was laughing so hard." Da, da, da. I mean, I know I almost ran off the road a couple of times. Jeez, we. It got to the point where I'm like, I guess I just got to roll with this one. <laughs> right. Oh, it is what it is. Oh, it was it was a fun one, man. We had a good time. I was dying. Um. I remember Aaron Aaron afterwards he looks at me he's like, "Well, that would have been a good one for our audience. I don't know what the hell your audience is going to do, but we'll find <laughs> out." Oh, funny. Oh, it, you know, I mean and you- we I, I would say a lot of it was just us BSing around, but there was some good stuff in there for sure and just especially towards the end, you know, like like he 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 said he uh, had to Donnie Vincent it a little bit, but uh Yeah. Yeah, you know it's I kind of put all my mistakes and my stories out there, not to, I mean, discourage people from just going out and doing stuff, but uh, I mean just the opposite, but to encourage them to be like, go out and just get after it. You know, okay, you know if you can't if you can't find anyone to go with you, or if just no one's available, like because for me I I ended up kind of starting super late figuring this stuff out so everyone already had their you know their hunts planned and uh, you know I, I probably could have found some people to go deer hunting with or something or something local but I'm like i wanted to go chase elk and i'm gonna do this one way or the other and yep. and you know i i put that stuff out there in hopes that okay yeah somebody will do that and they'll have the confidence because they heard the mistakes i made they're like okay well i don't feel like i'm going at this totally blind yeah you know they'll go out and they'll make their own mistakes and you know i'm I'm going to, you know, everyone makes mistakes. I don't care, you know, if you're Jim Shockey, Cam Haynes, you're, you know, whoever, you're going to go mm-hmm. out in the backcountry, you're going to make a mistake one way or the other. Um, right. You know, some are bigger, some are smaller, some result in you tearing the meniscus in both of your knees. Others maybe just result in you missing a shot on an animal, but uh, sure. Different levels, obviously, and you know those mistakes get smaller and fewer and f- more far between. Uh, you know, I just want uh, people to. I get excited when I get those messages that are like, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm super excited because I'm I'm going after it for my first time this year. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe even whitetail hunt your whole life and you've w- always wanted to hunt elk, but it's like it's just this whole new world like getting out there for 10 days after it and right um you know if i can if i can do that i'm stoked on it you know yeah and you know it's like it's like you did uh and and we all still do i mean we try to gather in this information age we try to gather as much information as we can about whatever given subject we're after or whatever goal we're trying to accomplish so i could see somebody that wants to go after elk you know, then 
so they hear your story and then they flip through your podcast and then they listen to uh, Corey Jacobson and then they listen to Jim Shockey and they, they listen to, you know, all these different ones and they learn different things. Um, if they want to learn how to call elk, they listen to Corey and, and Jason and you. That was that was awesome. I thought for, for a beginner, you know, wow, how much better can it get than that? I think I commented, I think I reposted that one. That was just, that really, just putting myself in a beginner's shoes, that was that was really awesome, and, and you don't hear that out there. I mean, I've said it a, a million times before. You know, we're dudes. We we like to feel like we, we know what we're doing. You know, we're in charge. We got this handled. And so a lot of the time, it's tough for us to ask questions. And, I mean... I know I'm going to make an idiot of myself out there, so I might as well step it up a notch and and play the fool when I need to and ha- be the one to ask those questions so somebody else doesn't have to, you know? There, or, yeah, and there are no stupid questions, right? Yeah, I mean... The only stupid ones are the ones that don't get uh, asked. But it's like, you know, it's some guy may go out and just never, never ask that question because he's too prideful or too embarrassed or whatever it is. And it could be something that could be a, make a huge difference in his, in his hunt and his trip and, you know, keeping him safe, whatever that is. And so, you know what, if I sound a little bit dumb, cause I ask, you know, which direction a diaphragm call goes in or, you know, does the rubber side go up or down, you know? Right. And, and, and some dude like that helps him learn to call. And I'm I'm more than more than stoked to take the brunt of looking like an idiot, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it is. Um, it's fun, man. So, what do you what do you got on the plate this year? Oh man, we've got. Uh, you know, I I last year I was fortunate enough to draw a pretty good bull tag here in Idaho, and um, you know, with with work and everything, I'm not I'm not venturing out of state a ton. Um, I did uh, did go to Wyoming last year and uh, killed a nice antelope buck. Uh, I actually killed my first bull with my bow this last year. I was just was, looking at that picture. That was so so awesome. So uh, yeah, so I plan on uh, going back and doing that again. It'll be a over the counter tag because I can't draw again in Idaho this year. Um, Got to wait a year after you after you draw. So um, is that yeah. Is that a um, that's a that's the thing like for draw units in Idaho or? Yeah, so if you if you draw um, in in Idaho a, a bull tag, for instance, um, then you have to you have to wait a year. You can't you can't put in for a, a draw tag next year. So is that um, just rifle or rifle and archery? Just yeah, any, it's any any draw unit. Right. That's that's the way I understand it. I did and so, that. yeah. So, so now you know I'll be doing over over the counter just uh, the general archery archery tag. So, I mean, there's uh, so much opportunity in Idaho for over the counter. It's just stupid. It really is. Yeah, you just got to do homework and uh, and get out there and you know and get it done. But I mean, uh, so many of those units too. It's like when I got my over the counter tag, I I thought I was just buying for the single unit, but you know, I, I bought for twenty nine, but it gave me like thirty and or like twenty eight and fifty one as well, and so it's like tripled the size of my 
you know, my area and all of this stuff. And it was just, it's so easy to, I mean, comparatively, I feel like for someone just getting out, it's so easy to find like opportunities in Idaho. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You just have to put the time in. That's, that's it. You know, you can, you can find opportunities. You just have to put the time in. And so, uh, I'll probably, I'll do early season mule deer, um, at the end of August and I'll probably, I'll probably do a general season. I've got a cousin coming out, uh, in October again, he's from Florida and he actually, uh, we went this last year and he harvested his first mule deer in, in, uh, Idaho. So that was really cool. So he's going to come out and we're going to do that again. So, uh, and then I'll, I'll help my son a little bit as well as soon as football season's over with. So, so what's he like? What's he like to chase? Uh, he 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 loves deer. Um, he hasn't got gotten an opportunity uh, with elk yet, but uh, but yeah, he loves deer, uh, loves antelope, and uh, he's got a really good eye on him. He doesn't have a ton of experience yet, but I mean, we've we've been out a lot together, and uh, he's got a really good eye. He he likes to spot animals before I do so. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so what's the next? Uh, what should we be looking out for with initial ascent as well? Um, so here at the end of the month, uh, they they're having what's called the Great Northwest Outdoor Expo, and that's coming to Nampa here, just just right down the road. It's going to be at the Idaho Center uh, the 29th through the first, and um, it's it's a it's the first annual here, but apparently this is something that uh, has happened a lot in the South and the Midwest. It's actually put on by Ducks Unlimited. Okay. So it's going to be a really, really uh, big expo that um, it, I think it's set for companies to showcase their gear uh, for the upcoming uh, hunting season. So, and it'll be from they'll have dog training, they'll have dog competitions, they're, they're going to have an elk calling contest, uh, Corey Jacobson's going to be there, uh, Jules McQueen is coming in to be a judge, and she's actually going to do a couple seminars, and so there'll be a, there'll be a lot of folks there, it sounds like, we're going to be there, and uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of our last big expo before hunting season, and, and we're going to have... Uh, some new products we're going to be testing uh, the scouting season, uh, as far as summer scouting season, and um, and then of course this fall uh, to release, uh, you know, early 2019. There we go. Uh, any, uh, I know we talked a little bit about this at the expo. Uh, any eye on some patterns coming out? Uh, should we? Yeah, we we we've got an eye on a couple of patterns actually, and. Uh, yeah, we just, uh, it's coming together, we'll say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're probably going to venture uh, venture into the camo world a little bit. Nice. Well, I always like, I mean, you know, you listen to the podcast, so you know how I always like to end and uh, always yeah. like to finish it up. You know, somebody comes up to you and says, you know, hey, I really want to get into hunting and 
you know, maybe there's someone from the city, they just don't have access or they haven't been raised in it. Or maybe they're just any new hunter and like, you know, I'm feeling intimidated by this whole thing. You know, what, ad- what advice, what words of wisdom would you have to give to this new hunter? You know, what I'm going to tell them is, um, Hey, you know, you need to come with me. I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you to it. Um, but I'm probably going to start them, start them small or, and maybe not even start small, but just I'm going to start where the success rate could possibly be very high. What, I not an over-the-counter archery elk hunt? Probably won't start them there. <laughs> um, that will be on down the line, but probably won't start them there. Um, you know, something that's just, you know, really uh, easy, where they're going to see a lot of animals, um, something that, that is just going to get them hooked. That's that's probably how I'm going to start them. Hog, and, antelope. You know, uh... Yeah. Um, you know, mule deer. General season mule deer um, is is really good. I probably wouldn't start them out with, you know, with a bow unless they have an interest in, in bow hunting. And, and then, hey, you know, we can take them, take them that route. But uh, something where they're going to have a lot of, a lot of opportunities to see a lot of animals and, um, you know, and, and to possibly harvest one. But I'm definitely going to tell them from the get-go, you know, be ready to fail. Um, you know, be prepared to fail. But don't give up. Use each opportunity to, uh, to learn. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, they were talking about a similar thing, and they were talking about, mental mental toughness and basically when you on a hunt when you get to or in life when when you get to a situation to where you have two choices to make take the harder one because that's always going to be the more rewarding um and so if if you've got a situation where i don't know you can go this way or that way and let's say you know, this is going downhill, but your opportunity for seeing animals may not be as great, but it's not going to be as hard as, you know, hiking up the, up to the top of the ridge so you can see a little better. Uh, and your opportunity for seeing uh, a deer or whatever is going to be greater up there. Go ahead and take that hard one. Go ahead and, and hike to the top of the ridge so you can uh, have a better opportunity. You know, so making choices like that, I think, is very important for a new new hunter. Well, there we go. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast, man. Had a good yeah. time chatting with you, for sure. Thanks thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate it, man. Uh, absolutely. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 75 of Living Country in the City. Make sure y'all check out the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 75. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com.